Tonight is December 14th, 2016. The title of tonight's message is Drift. Drift. Uh, I want to turn to Hebrews chapter 2. We're going to start in verse 1. Please tell me there when you are there. There. Amen. So I had the privilege of, of going into uh, the shop. Does everybody know the shop that I'm talking about? Oh, yeah. yeah. So I was in the shop today uh, with Brother Baj and Nick and Sam and AJ was just as cute as ever. Was there this morning and uh, just fellowshipping with the word as Baj and Nick were running around and just incredible what they do there in the shop. It's a lot more than just repairing cars. Yeah. Uh, they're repairing souls. They're ministering to everybody who walks in the door. And so I had a few minutes by myself to just kind of read the word. And this passage of scripture jumped out at me. Hebrews chapter 2, starting in verse 1. It says this, We must pay more careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard, so that we do not drift away. For if the message spoken by angels was binding, and every violation and disobedient received its just punishment. Everybody say just punishment. Just punishment. Who is it just to? Who, who, from, whom's, from whose perspective is punishment just? Right? If you're the one being punished, you don't feel like it's just oftentimes, do we? But the Word says that this punishment was just because we're looking at it from the heavenly perspective. How shall we escape if we ignore such a great salvation? This salvation, which was first announced by the Lord, was confirmed to us by those who heard Him. God also testified to it. How many of you know it's something important when God himself testifies? And this is how God testifies. By signs, wonders, and various miracles, including healing of hips that should have not be healed, a sign, wonder, and miracle that we just shared about, and gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. This is how God testifies to something. Can I encourage you guys tonight? This is not saying, this is not a message, uh, anything other than encouraging you. That this is a church where we see what? We see God's testimony here. We can feel the very lampstand of His Spirit in our midst. When we are together, when, when we're together in worshiping, and, and, and we, I can feel, it's the anomaly where someone is not worshiping with all their heart. It's, it's a group of people that saying we're going, I can't go any higher with my hands. I can't jump any, any further off the ground than I can. I can't sing any louder. I can't be any more serious about this. We're seeing God testify. But let's take, let's take a look back in chapter 1. In verse 1, rather. Hebrews 2 and verse 1. It's because that this church is an Acts 2 kind of church that I don't want to lose what we have. That's right. I want us to be very, very careful. Look at the very first verse of this chapter. We must pay attention. We must pay careful attention. Wait a minute. We must pay more careful attention. That That should alert you to something, right? He's not just saying, hey, pay attention. Pay careful attention. Pay more careful attention. So how important is this, is this message to us tonight? Okay? That word there in the Greek, when you look at it, those words, more careful attention, can be summarized with the Greek word, number 4337, processio. It means to hold in your mind. <laughs> Anybody ever dealt with kids? You ever been talking to a kid? And they're like... 
right? They're, you can see their little brains have checked out. Okay, how many of you ever talked to your spouse? I have to be honest. My wife and I, we're getting close to being married for 20 years now. And, and so there are times. My wife is incredible. She is amazing. And there are times when I have drifted off in my little noggin. I'm thinking about my own thoughts, and she's, my wife is steady talking to me, and I'm going, yeah. I don't know what I'm thinking about. Could be that I'm hungry and want a grilled cheese sandwich. I don't, it just, I'm, I'm somewhere else. And I've learned as a good husband to keep me married for at least 20 more years that I'll say, wait, I'm sorry, babe. I'm sorry. I checked out. I'm not supposed to. I'm not proud of this fact. I have checked out. Can we just push pause on the conversation? Because I will be held accountable for some information in there that I no longer know. I just agreed to something, and I'm not quite sure what it was. Sweetie, can you just rewind that and just tell me again? And now I'm with you. Now I'm going to hold my mind right here, right? This is what this word means, to hold in mind, to turn your ear towards. And it's actually got a nautical meaning to it. For Elder Steve here, nautical. To hold a ship in the right direction. To hold the ship in the right direction is what it means to pay more careful attention. There's something that's going on here that we have to focus on. We have to work to stay in the right direction. You know what? I, I typed into a concordance. Many of you have either been through an Acts class. You know that we're at, with the group, the cohort that we have now in Acts class, more than 40 people have taken the Acts class. Okay? So if you're in an Acts class, let me tell you what I did. I looked in a regular concordance. I typed in the words, be careful. You know what I found out? 50 times in the scripture, in the NIV translation, 50 times the word tells us to be careful. It says, it says 50 times. Many times it's telling us to be careful to do something. A few times in there it's telling us to be careful not to do some certain things. Let's turn to Deuteronomy chapter 4. Deuteronomy chapter 4. And we're going to take a look at a few of these examples here. We have to be careful. We have to pay more careful attention to what is going on because this precious gift, this kingdom of heaven is so important that we have to focus in and pay more careful attention. Take a look at Deuteronomy chapter 4 and we're going to start in verse 6. Tell me there when you're there. There. Look what it says on the screen. Observe them carefully. Everybody say carefully. Carefully. For this will show your wisdom and understanding to the nations who will hear about all these decrees and say, surely this, is a, this great nation is a wise and understanding people. You know, one of the reasons that we're supposed to be careful to do exactly what God tells us to do is because we're, we're planning a testimony even to the nations. Our, one of our monikers as a church, one life, one family, one nation. We believe that God can impact one human being, one life, each person that's put before us. And that person will in turn impact their family. And then in turn, that family impacts the nations. What you have here is him saying, look, you've got to be careful to observe these things. Now look in verse 9. Be careful to observe. And verse 9 says this, only be careful and watch yourselves closely so that you do not forget 
the things your eyes have seen or let them slip from your heart as long as you live. Now, I didn't get a chance to talk to Peyton before service, but we're ending on a, we ended on a song that says, The world sees and soon forgets, but we will not forget who you are and what you've done for us. This, this part of Scripture, you know what I found out? That often throughout Deuteronomy, throughout the Older Testament, there will be a time when God says, Be careful to do exactly what I've said. And then within a few verses, it says, Be careful that you don't forget. Be careful to do what I'm telling you to do. Don't forget what I've told you to do. Those are two different commands, but they're often paired together. You know what that tells me? As human beings, we don't often know what we're supposed to do. We have to be told that to be careful. And it is our natural tendency to forget what the Lord has done. We forget. We are an easy group to forget. That's why the Bible often compares us with what animal? Sheep. Yeah, there's not much memory going on there. Right? Sheep just puts their head down. They eat the grass that's in front of them and they can wander off. You know why? Because there's no situational awareness. They're just <laughs> grass. Right? I need the provision that I need. I need my food. I need to go to work. I need to come. This is all I need is right here. And we, we can veer off. So the word says to... Be careful to do and to be careful not to forget. Turn to Deuteronomy chapter 6. Just turn the page or two. Look at verse 3. Hear, O Israel, and be careful to obey so that it may go well with you and that you may increase greatly in a land flowing with milk and honey just as the Lord, the God of of your fathers, promised you. Look down in verse 12. Be careful that you do not forget the Lord who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. Be careful to do it and be careful not to forget what He's done. Be careful to do what I told you to do. Be careful not to forget what He's done. These things are hand in hand and are required so that we don't drift from His presence. Take a look at chapter 8, verse 1. Chapter 8, verse 1. Be careful to follow every command. Everybody say every command. I am giving you today so that you may live and increase and may enter and possess the land the Lord promised on oath to your forefathers. Take a look at verse 11. Be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God, failing to observe His commands, His laws, and His decrees that I'm giving you today. Uh, Are we thoroughly convinced that this? I could show you more examples, but I just wanted to show you a few that says we have to be careful to obey And we have to be careful not to forget. Which one, I want you to think about this question. Which one do you have a problem being careful about? Be careful to obey everything that he said. Be careful not to forget how good he is. Forget what his promises to you are. If you are careful to do everything he says, but you forget what he's promised you, what happens? You get discouraged. You get wounded. You get tired. You get burned out. I think burnout is the most ridiculous kind of concept. I understand what people are saying. But if you're doing this the right way, you're not going to get burned out. Amen. Why? Because we're being made new each and every day. His promises. His, when He reminds you of something, goodness gracious. Turn to Joshua chapter 1. Let's see this concept continuing through. Into the prophets. Joshua chapter 1. Take a look at verse. 
Let's look at verse 7. Be strong and very courageous. What are the Hebrew words there? Rakazak amats. Be strong and very courageous. Why? Because you're going to need it for the next part that he's telling you. Be careful to obey all the laws my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Do you understand that this is the Lord's heart here? He wants you to achieve His purposes in your life. He wants you to do what He's told you to do. You know why? Because He knows that it's the best thing for us. We can have our own thoughts about what's right, but there's something here that He's saying, I've got this worked out. Verse 8, Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. I know it doesn't say the word forget there, but what happens if you're meditating on something day and night? You're not going to forget. It is going to stay ever before your mind. Turn to Psalm chapter uh, 101. Psalm 101. Psalm 101. And we're going to start in verse 1. Is everybody there? I will sing of your love and justice. What an interesting pairing, by the way, right? I will sing of your love and your justice. Yeah, because they're both incredible parts of our Lord. I will sing of your love and your justice. To you, O Lord, I will sing praise. Next verse says this. I will be careful to lead a blameless life. I will be careful to lead a blameless life. When, when will you come to me? David is longing to be with his father. David is longing for that relationship. You know why? It's because he's reflecting his father's desire that we will be with him. That we have that intimate relationship with him. Now, let's turn back to Hebrews 2. Hebrews 2. You can leave a marker there because we'll we'll come back to that a few times tonight. Hebrews chapter 2. And we're going to go back to verse 1 again. We have to pay more careful attention. We have to hold the ship going in the right direction. We must pay more careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard so that we do not drift away. I looked up the word drift there in the Greek. It's Greek number 3901. Para-reo. It means to float, to drift, to slip away. Um, Anybody ever had to put down a baby that had just gone to sleep? Right? You feed the baby. And what is that? Is you, you become like a special forces operator in that moment. I've got the baby here. They're asleep. Dear God, I now have to put them in their own bed. That transition. You know the word drift actually means that we slip away? You ever been in a group of people and and things start getting a little tense? Things start getting tense? (laughs) Pastor Eric has no understanding of that whatsoever. Have you ever been in a conversation that started getting tense? I actually had the great experience in professional meetings that got so tense with me and another person that I had friends 
Well, I used to call them friends until this happened. I had friends who would pretend like they got a phone call. <laughs> Nobody's on the phone. Just pretend like so they could slip away. To slip away, right? You're not advancing into it. You're not staying and engaging. You're like, this is too much for me. I'm going to get out of here. The Bible says be careful that you don't drift away. Another way is that you float past, to flow past as if on a river. Another way is that you float past as if you were on a ship. It's amazing. Two of the terms right here in the same verse are talking about nautical. It's talking about a ship and whether you're going in the right direction or whether you start letting the forces around you just kind of push you. You know what? It caused me to think about a few things. And, and I want to kind of share them with you here. So I thought of three different ways. How do we keep from drifting away? We're, we're a church that we've seen, we, we know the goal. We couldn't talk about it any more than we have. There is a righteous standard. We must live by it. I mean, anybody heard us teach on that this year? <laughs> Only every sermon, Right? Every sermon is, here it is, here's the standard, there's a standard, there's a standard. In other words, we're saying, there's an end destination here. There's a commander's intent for the end result of this that we have to be moving towards. So it made me think of a few different uh, characters, a few different elements here. For the ship, we have, first of all, we have a captain. Everybody say, aye, aye, captain. Aye, aye, captain. Right, so this one, this captain is a person... And what is his goal? His goal is to aim for perfection. He's the one responsible for for leading the ship, for causing everyone to get to the right destination. You know what I'm finding is that more and more, uh, what does it take to get off course and to drift? For us to get off course, you know what it takes? It takes us doing absolutely nothing. There is a natural tendency within human beings to drift. Do you know that when you're, uh, when you're trying to navigate, when you're trying to navigate, there is a thing called magnetic north. Our compass is run on magnetic north. And what happens is the difference between magnetic north and true north, that difference there is what can lead people astray. No, man, I got my compass. I'm doing good. If you don't know that you're supposed to make adjustments, that you're supposed to cause and always be looking for the right course correction, you can have the compass, think you're going in the right direction, and not end up at your destination. You know what captains are supposed to know? Exactly what those adjustments are. They're supposed to know exactly what they are so that you can get that ship, can get to the right destination every single time. I've heard it said that if you don't know your port of destination... Any wind becomes the right wind. Do we know people who don't really have a port of destination? And so any wind, they get, what do they get? They get blown to and fro by any strange wind of doctrine. Okay, let's not make it so global. Let's not make it for a second. Let's just back off of the eternal implications there. How about in your life? How about when we're at home? If you don't have clear direction for your home, what happens? You kind of, let me, let me use another colloquialism here. You kind of go along to get along. 
just whatever wind is there. Well, I, I like the way Pastor Eric does this, and I like the way Elder Charlie does this. And so I'm just going to kind of borrow other people's convictions, and that looks good. That looks kind of fun. I like the way they're doing that. So I'm going to add that into my family. Yay. If you can look around and never have any distinction about your own home, about your own life. Let's say you're not yet with a family. What about you personally? What has God called you to do? Why does our church focus so much on things like a mezuzah statement? Because we're trying to show you to aim for perfection. So you can be in the service and hear, there is a righteous standard. It is the word of God. Amen. And then go off. And let the winds of of your own thoughts, of your own emotions, of your own intellect blow you in whatever direction that that it does. (laughs) Guys, we have a special church. You are a special group of people. The natural tendency is for us to follow a magnetic north versus the true north. We have to continually, and that's what a captain's role is. A captain's job is to understand these differences and keep going. We need to turn a little bit this way, folks. When was the last time you looked at your own life and said, you know, hmm, I don't like this. This isn't right. I need to adjust what I'm doing. What happens when your family and you're going, you know, my family's going really well. This is a, we're supposed to preach to you about what's going on in our lives. I had this conversation with my wife within the last four or five days. You know what? This needs to be adjusted in our home. This, I don't like this. Our, our youngest, babe, there's something going on there. We need to pull her closer to us. We're busy. She's young. We, we got two that can completely take care of themselves. There's something going on there, babe. We need to pull her close. This is real life. This is within the last four or five days in my home. Because you know why? In my home? El Capitan. (laughs) Which is nice to say. Nice nice to have the the stars on your epaulette. But the truth is, is there's a responsibility that's on the captain that everyone aboard, their lives are in my hands. My family and my household, they're in my hands, and I better take this seriously. How about for the church? What about for a church? So we're talking through this. The concept of a captain, right? You're going to aim for perfection. This is your personal. What What does that look like in your home, right? What does it look like in the church? (laughs) The captain of a church is the fivefold ministry. Would you turn to Ephesians chapter 4 for me? Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. She'd be very, very familiar to you. It was he. Who's the he here? Okay, I'm going to do that again. It's okay. Everybody was turning. That was a weak answer. Maybe I put you to sleep. Here we go. We're back. All right, take two. It was he who gave... Who's the he here? Jesus! Okay, thanks. He deserves a lot better than the way we gave that to him the first time. He is, it was Jesus who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Why? What's, what's the end goal? What's the commander's intent? Where's the captain shooting for? To prepare God's people for works 
of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all, everybody say all, reach unity in the faith. This is an understanding. If you want to go back to the nautical terms here, this is a captain who said, I understand that everyone is responsible. We are responsible before God for everyone who sits in this room. That is not a light and easy thing. I had been on pastoral staffs before. And since I came here, I think one of the first things we've kidded around about it many times, I was like, why does it feel like somebody's always sitting on my chest? <laughs> they're like, welcome to actually you being the pastor of a group of people. I had the title before. I had a calling before. When the full weight of it, whew, there's no way for me to explain that to you. The only thing that I can compare it to, the only thing that I can get it close to, is the difference between being a single and then you become married and someone else you're responsible for. Maybe even more so when you start to have children and you go, this little creature will not live unless I do my job well. This will not operate properly unless we are all reaching the unity in the faith. And in the knowledge of the Son of God. And become mature. Everybody say mature. Mature. Attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. That sounds like the end state to me. The whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Can, I, can you say that this is teaching us to aim for perfection here? This is exactly what we're supposed to be doing. Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 13. 2 Corinthians chapter 13. I'm going to look at verse 11. This is, this is the closing. We're getting ready. This is the benediction. right? These are the closing thoughts here for this book. It says, finally, brothers. Goodbye. <laughs> right? Finally, brothers. Goodbye. Aim for perfection. Listen to my appeal. Be of one mind. Live in peace. This is the parent that's leaving and giving the instructions to the children before they walk out the door. And I think we may have even talked about some basic simplifications of things before that make us want to repeal away. We want to pull back from this aiming for perfection because after all, nobody's perfect. It's a lie. The Word of God wouldn't have told us to do it if we weren't supposed to do it. Aim for perfection. Listen to my appeal. Be of one mind. Not only do you have to aim for perfection, but you have to get everyone around you to be in the same perfection level so that you can be of one mind. Oh, that's a task. It's almost like He's going to, even the tasks that He gives us are going to require His Spirit for us to fulfill. Live in peace. Live in shalom. Get the right order in your life. And the God of love and peace be with you. So whether it's a personal thing we have going on here, we're aiming for perfection. There's got to be some type of direction that we're shooting for in our lives. If it's just you as an individual, this message pertains to you. If it's you and a family, this message pertains to you. If you're involved in a church, this message pertains to you. I think I got everybody in the room. Because we're supposed to be aiming for perfection, understanding that there is a goal. And if you don't make it to the goal, 
There's only one way to win here, is you've got to make it to the goal of perfection. That is what the standard is, and no one anywhere should change that, lessen that, back down from that. Amen? Amen. Now, another person that I thought of in this, and I don't know if this is the official term, but I'm going to use it, is the gunner. A gunner. What is this person's job? If we're on a battleship, this person is the one sitting behind a weapon, seeing a target somewhere out there, and having to go get it. Having to, having to send the artillery down range here. Amen. This one is what I thought about for the gunner. Is to, uh, this person has to continually adjust for perfection. Probably the only hobby I have in my life is I enjoy going to the firing range. Yeah. I'm not terribly good at it. I just like it a lot. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even care that I'm not particular. I just, ah. We got to go out the other day, last Saturday. We went out and cut a down, or we, a tree that had already fallen and cut and got some wood. And then while we were out there, hey guys, we only have a few minutes. You want to shoot a little bit? Of course we want to shoot a little bit. This is fantastic. The gunner. This is adjusting for perfection here. What do I mean? Um, It's one thing if you are stationary, right, and you're shooting at a stationary target. That's one level of skill. You should be able to shoot what you are pointing at in those circumstances. If it's close enough, you can go at it. But what if we put you on a horse, and started having the horse run while you're trying to hit that same target. Uh, become a little bit more difficult? Yeah. <laughs> have you ever thought about this? That we have to be constantly making adjustments so that we can reach perfection. We know what the goal is and we have set our sails. We have set our sights. This is our direction. But when we start talking about a gunner, we have to start adjusting for perfection. And you know what else we have to do? We start having to put down the enemies that arise before us. We have to put these enemies down. What kind of enemies am I talking about? If you have the enemy of offense that comes in your life, you have to adjust for the perfection. Uh, An enemy of discouragement. An enemy of sickness. An enemy of arrogance, an enemy of pride, an enemy of fear, whatever it may be, it's anything that's coming against you to keep you from fulfilling your will in Christ. It's anything. You have to become a gunner. You have to start adjusting. There's something that I I believe I'll I'll use the right term here in in marksmanship that's called Kentucky windage. Hopefully I can explain this well to you. Kentucky windage is just saying you're not in a vacuum. The greater the distance, the more you have to account for lots of things. The humidity in the air. The wind. The, you have to start adjusting. And maybe what you see on your sights appears to be right and you shoot and you don't hit the target. Have you ever felt that way in your life? Like I, th- I really... No, man. I think I got it. Alright, I'm, about to, I'm about, to, about to put a, a, a bullet down range here. I, I think I got, I got it right in my sights. I did exactly what I was told. I didn't hit anything. Hey, where did, it, where did that, did anybody see where that went? It just got off track. There's, there's a skill to adjusting constantly for perfection. <laughs> what is this in the church? 
This is us understanding and having a personal leading of the Holy Spirit in our lives. This is where we take the perfection that is the Word of God and we learn how to rightly apply it in our own lives. Amen. Amen. We can read the Scripture, but what Scripture does the Lord want me to use right now with the person who is standing right in front of me? am, Am I supposed to encourage them that the Lord loves righteousness? Or do I encourage them with He hates wickedness? Same verse. Psalm 45, it's the same verse. Which, which part of this am I supposed to use? What am I supposed to be hearing from the Lord? If you have a normal spiel that you go through when you're speaking with people, you're not being spirit-led. You're not adjusting. You've decided that your sights are right regardless of the distance, regardless of the environment. This is what we do. This is how we do it. Hey, doesn't that sound basically like a denomination? That said, we've already figured everything out. Look, as a matter of fact, we went ahead and welded your sights because you will never have to do anything other than put the little crosshairs on it and pull the trigger. That's, we, we have dumbed this down for you to such an easy way that all you have to do... Um, uh, do I have any bullets? You only need four bullets. Um, aren't we at war? Yeah, but you only need four spiritual lo- bullets. I mean, that's all you need. Um... I don't think that has to do anything with the personal leading of the Holy Spirit. Are you guys with me tonight? Are you growing in this leading in the Holy Spirit? You should be. I don't know about you, but I get there, and there will be times because I'm evaluating. Lord, I know I just said to that person, and, and Lord, did I do that right? I feel like I wasted my time then. Lord, did I waste my time, or are you pleased with me? Tell me, Lord. I, I want to go back and figure out that out so that I do it better the next time. Because if I pleased you, I can just relax. Thank you, Lord, that you helped me to make the right adjustment and it found the right target. If it doesn't, I can't just say, well, that's on them. Maybe it is, maybe it isn't. But I want to be the proper marksman that adjusts for the perfection that God is asking. Turn, let's turn to 2 Peter chapter 1. Second Peter chapter 1. Let's look at verse 15. (laughs) And I will make every effort to see that after my departure, you will always be able to remember these things. Turn to Romans chapter 8. (laughs) We're back to the not forgetting and remembering what the Lord is doing there. Romans chapter 8. Verse 14. If you haven't noticed, this is actually a scripture that comes out in our speech. And it's come out quite a few times over the last few weeks. If you haven't picked out on, up on that pattern, I am now alerting you to the pattern. So that you will make sure that maybe this is a, a note card that you would put to make sure that you learn this verse. If your church is using it frequently, and it's coming out from Pastor Eric, and it's coming out of Pastor Matt, and, and, and Baj is using it, and you're hearing different people use it, you need to pay attention. You need to alert yourself, pay more careful attention, and you need to start using it. Amen? Amen. Seems simple, but it's right. Romans 8 and verse 14. Let's go back to 13. For if you live according to the sinful nature, you will die. 
But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. When you make those corrections, when you make those adjustments, then you will get to live. Verse 14, because those who are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. That's what we're saying here. When you are being led, when you're making the right adjustments, you are identifying yourself as in the very nature of His Son. You become the Son. You look like your Father. You act like your Father. You sound like your Father. You are His Son and it is undeniable. Amen? Amen. Amen. Turn to Psalms 62. I just want to get this one in here real quick. Psalm 62. Psalm 62 says, my soul, we're going to start in verse one. My soul finds rest in God alone. My salvation comes from him. He alone is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will never be shaken. How long will you assault a man? Wait, wait, what are we talking about? We were were talking about God here just a second and we kind of shifted gears. Let's keep reading. How long will you assault a man? Would all of you throw him down this leaning wall, this tottering fence? So wait, he's starting off in Psalm 62 and he's making a declaration. But do you hear the agony that's going on in here? Like a, like a tottering fence, like a leaning wall. He's not standing because he's strong saying these things. He's standing because he, he feels vulnerable. He's weak in these moments. There are adjustments that need to be made. They fully intend to topple him from his lofty place. They take delight in lies. Anybody ever known anybody like that? With their mouths they bless, but in their hearts they curse. Find rest, O my soul, in God alone. Some of us need to adjust our hearts exactly the way this scripture just said. We're looking for rest some other way. You know what I just need? I just need to get to have a little Netflix time. I just need a little me time. Really? I don't have problems with Netflix. What I'm saying is, is when our heart is seeking that, when we're longing for that to say, this is my rest, versus saying, my rest can only come in Him. My soul can only find rest in the God of all creation. I need to... It's almost as if we should go to the Mount of Olives to find nourishment evening and morning. It's almost like we should be crying out to Him at all times of the day to say, Lord, if You don't come and give me rest, then I have no rest. If You don't come and teach me how to adjust my life, then I don't know what to do. I will make mistakes every time. He alone is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will not be shaken. My salvation and my honor depend on God. Yeah, they do. Yep. You absolutely must depend on Him. He is my mighty rock, my refuge. Trust in Him at all times, O people. Pour out your hearts to Him, for God is our refuge. Take a look at verse 11. One thing God has spoken, two things I have heard. That you, O God, are strong, and that you, O Lord, are loving. (laughs) You, O Lord, are strong. And you love me. What an encouragement. He is strong enough to take care of our needs and loves us enough that it matters to him that our needs are taken care of. Amen. 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 And that you, O Lord, are loving. You surely you will reward each person according to what he has done. Amen. 
So we have a captain who's aiming perfection for perfection. We have a gunner who's having to constantly adjust for perfection. And lastly, we have an engineer. Is that right? Okay, good. Amen. <laughs> Looks funny right now. It's all right. Here, what we have is, is, is an engineer. Sometimes you can't always talk to the captain. Sometimes someone else has determined the direction. Sometimes uh, th- this is already at work, and what you have to do is this engineer is supposed to maintain the fellowship of perfection. <laughs> um, ever been in, in such turmoil that you forget who the friends and who the foes are? You ever been... Uh, Woken up in the middle of the night because someone came in, in, in a room that you're in and, and you're ready to fight? It, it happened. It happened to me the other night. My friend Gabe Stevens was sleepwalking at straight up 3 o'clock in the morning. The door burst open. And I see a six foot, how tall are you now? Okay, I see this six foot one shadow in the room. I went from completely asleep to wide awake in zero seconds. Man, I was like, it's on. It's, huh? (laughs) And then as I'm trying to get focus in this dark, figure that's standing before me, I realized this is kind of a really, really skinny. (laughs) Can beanpoles walk? What is this? (laughs) And I realized, whew, not a foe. The The realization of where my room was and it making sense that this would not be the first place that someone would come. All those things then started kind of filtering in. I went, oh, okay, good. Whew, I, don't have to, I don't have to attack somebody and wrestle them out of this house at the moment, right? <laughs> this engineer position is going to help us make sure we're not attacking those who are actually our friends. <laughs> you, you, we can get to the point where we're fighting so much that instead of fighting the enemy, we turn in those who are our loved ones. You fight against them. Am I the only one who's ever been so angry at a day at someone else that I come home and and speak poorly to my wife? Uh, My wife does that. Everybody knows. (laughs) Everybody knows. Right. Am I the only one that's ever been so frustrated at what's going on in my life that I take it out against my kids? Am I the only one that gets so mad at things? I will take it out against some random stranger just because they were there in front of my path of anger. This position here is going to keep us pointed in the right direction and causing everything to work in collaboration with each other. Because you can be going in the right direction. You can have your port of destination picked. It is pinpointed on the map. You could be attacking and fighting against the enemies all around you, but unless you have this maintenance of the fellowship of perfection, 
isn't one of the things that we have to overcome with people who are no longer in the church. What do they say? I was wounded by the church. Now, that can mean a lot of things. Maybe they were the one that pulled away and that's just the easy thing to say. But maybe they're exactly expressing the truth and they're saying, we got, we got a, in a battle of friendly fire is what it's called. You start attacking these things. But what we do is we have to maintain this fellowship with one another. What does this look like? <laughs> if the fivefold ministry relates to a captain, if our personal leading in the Holy Spirit is related to the gunner, then the engineer here is the church at large. It's the church at large. It's us collectively. Let's take a look at Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. We are an Acts 2 kind of church. So let's just see. Let's start in 42. We'll get down to 46 as the main verse, but let's start in 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings, a teaching, and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together. Everybody say together. together. You know how hard that is to get everybody together? That is a difficult thing. It's a difficult thing when you're a boss and you pay somebody to be there. And if you don't like them, you can fire them. It's a difficult thing when you have the power of firing someone. It is a difficult thing when we're talking about all of us. We're trying to do this together. We're trying to find. We were all the believers were together and had everything in common. Selling their possessions and goods, they gave to anyone as he had need. Pastor Eric mentioned our friends in Chicago. The reason we're telling you, and I, I, love, I love the way that Pastor Eric put it, you understand that when we meet with our elders tonight, we're going to come up with a number. And if you match that number, if you match it completely, you know what that means? That means we just doubled our number. Not that we're going to give what you give to, towards this in, in place of that. Oh, good. Good. Wow, that's much more convenient on our budget for the month. We're going to say this is what we're going to commit to give. And what you give, we can, we can add on top of that. We want to give sacrificially as a church body. And we're saying we're going to sell anything that we can. We're going to do anything that we can to make sure that our friends in Chicago have what they need. Just like we would do here for our body. Every day. Everybody say every day. Every day. They continued to meet together in the temple courts. Every single day. Every day you should be finding somewhere to meet. Come to our house. Come to the P. Rowe house. Find the, find the Carters on a Tuesday. Find the Browns when they meet. Find, find each other. Seek it out. They continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Isn't that great when you get to meet with somebody and you're in your home? There's something special about it. You're just enjoying what God's doing. Praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. <laughs> We've got to maintain this fellowship. That is an important piece. Let's turn to 1 Timothy chapter 3. This tells us 
why it's so important. 1 Timothy chapter 3. Let's look at verse 14 and 15. 1 Timothy 3 verses 14 and 15. Although I hope to come to you soon, I'm writing you these instructions so that if I am delayed, you will know how people ought to conduct themselves in God's household. Pretty plain, right? You could just read this and go, this is instructing us exactly what we are to do. How people ought to conduct themselves in God's household. And God's household is the church of the living God, which is the pillar and foundation of truth. We're the ones with the answers. For us, we must maintain the fellowship of the perfection of God's standard. This is the standard in this world. This is right. What the church is doing, what our church is doing, what we are pushing towards is the right thing. It's the pillar and foundation of truth. I don't care how much in the minority we get. We are still the ones who are fighting for this. Turn to Luke chapter 24. Luke chapter 24. The final chapter in the book of Luke. Let's start in 44. Luke 24, 44. He said to them, This is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. The law of the prophets and the writings. Then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. I read that and my first thought is, Lord, I want you to open my mind. Open it more. Open it more. I I want to understand your scriptures more, Lord. He told them, this is what is written. The Christ will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. And repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations. Not how to build your own bank account. But repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached. Beginning at Jerusalem, verse 48. You are witnesses of these things. I am going to send you what my Father has promised, but stay in the city until you've been clothed with power on high. The necessity of the baptism in the Holy Spirit from Jesus' mouth, right there. When he had led them out to the vicinity of Bethany, he lifted up his hands and blessed them. While he was blessing them, he left them and was taken up into heaven. (laughs) The last thing that he's doing as he's leaving is he's blessing them. He's blessing them. He's blessing them. He's leaving, still blessing them. Right? What a neat picture. Here, you're trying to go and you're trying to say goodbye, like a typical service here, that we all come and just stay around and you don't want to be the first one to go. Right? Everybody's just lingering, right? And you're still, still blessing. Okay, love you. All right, bye. Love you. Still love you. I know you said it ten times. Yeah, I know it. I just want to bless you. Right? This is what Jesus is doing. He's blessing even as he's going. Then they worshiped him, verse 52, and returned to Jerusalem with what? Great joy. And they stayed continually at the temple, praising God. Guys, this, I want to talk to you about this word continually for just a minute. Turn to Leviticus chapter 24. Leviticus chapter 24. Let's start in verse 1. Leviticus 24, 1. 
says this, the Lord said to Moses, command the Israelites to bring you clear oil of pressed olives for the light. Clear oil of pressed olives for the light. So that the lamps may be kept burning, how often? Continually. Continually. Outside the curtain of the testimony in the tent of meeting. Aaron is to tend the lamps before the Lord from evening till morning continually. This is to be a lasting ordinance for the generations to come. The lamps of the pure gold lampstand before the Lord must be, must be tended continually. Three times in four verses, it says that these lamps must be burning continually. Let me just encourage you with, with this uh, little paleo here, since we, this will be our paleo for the evening. This is Hebrew 8548. I would say that tamid, I guess. Close enough? Okay, I'm just going to do this from top to bottom. And I'm going to kind of just get right to the answer here. <laughs> this is a sign of a mighty work <laughs> that moves. When you're fighting continually for something, you're fighting, you're working for the sign of a mighty work that keeps moving. It's almost like the Word is instructing us not to drift away from this. This is, this is a work. It has to be done as we're on the move. <laughs> Can you imagine? It's one thing when the tabernacle is set, but then what happens? The cloud of fire, the, the, the pillar of fire, the pillar of cloud would move. And they would have to reorganize things. They would have to move. They had to keep constantly following the leading of the Holy Spirit so they can stay in step with the Holy Spirit. They can aim for perfection even as things were moving about. Let's turn to uh, Hebrews chapter 13. Hebrews chapter 13. And verse 15. It says this, through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that confess his name, and do not forget to do good and to share with others. <laughs> do not forget to do good and share in the fellowship of his perfection. For with such sacrifices, God is pleased. I love it when it's spelled out so plainly for us that this is what we are to do if we want our Heavenly Father to be pleased with us. Amen? Turn to Hebrews chapter 5. Verse 14. But solid food is for the mature, who by constant use, by constant use, by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. They are constantly at the work that is set before them. So look at this. We have, these, we have these pictures here. We have these things that are set before us. It's almost like we can set our course because of what He has done and the power of His working through His Spirit. which is proclaimed in the law. 
that this, when you are aiming for perfection, it is the very thing that is inclining your heart to do exactly what's right. When you have the gunner and you're following the personal leading of the Holy Spirit, you have your soul that is being adjusted by Him. He is making where He can warn us, where He can show us exactly as it would be in the prophets. When you, when you look at this engineer that's trying to maintain fellowship so that we don't cross these ways, that we don't have friendly fire and harm someone who is our friend, who is part of the body, we literally are supposed to put our body in relationship to others. This is not a metaphoric issue. You, have, you cannot have fellowship by yourself. I remember being in elementary school and I had a pastor who told me what fellowship means. It's two fellows in a ship rowing the same direction. Right? You're not in fellowship if you all by yourself. If you keep running off to be isolated, you are working against this. You are literally supposed to put your body where the church is. That you come and be a part of it. Because just like in the writings, this is designed to direct our strength. I wanted to encourage you guys tonight with this thought. In in Hebrews 5.14, can you put that back up there for me? But solid food is for the mature, who by constant use... I am not standing before you and not coming with a heavy hand tonight. I think that we are trying to find what that perfection is and we're aiming for it. I think we are trying to deal with the enemies that come wave after wave after wave. I I think enough of us have our scripture cards in our pockets, in our purses, in our, in our backpacks, in our vehicles that, that we're trying to say we're going to attack every enemy that comes before us and we're going to use the Scripture to do it. We're going to put down those thoughts. We're going to take our thoughts captive and make them be obedient to Christ. I think we're a church that is seeking fellowship more than any other group that I've been around. And if the Scripture in Hebrews 2.1 says to pay more careful attention to do what we've heard so that we don't drift away. You know what I know? That unless we stay fervent in this desire, we will drift away. Not because we're not there now, but because we will drift away. It's one thing to be in it while the race is still going on, but you know what? We've got to get to the finish line. That's when we can enjoy the pleasures evermore. That's when we have... (laughs) That's when we've seen His kingdom come and His will be done. Until then what we have to do is keep looking at each other and saying, hey, don't drift. Don't drift. Don't drift, Justin. Don't drift. It's my job as, as, as a captain of this ship to say, if I see you drifting, I'm coming to you because I can't have that happen. In your own life, let God speak to you about places of drift. In your own family, I feel right now, I feel very, very encouraged. I feel that God wants to make sure that we pay attention to our families and drift that could be there. I'm sorry, that was too soft. Drift that is there. We're family. There is drift going on in some of our families. Why can I say that? Because God was showing me drift in my own family this week. 
and I don't even understand fully what it is about, but I know that I'm hearing his voice. I know that I want things to be different. I know that I am so thankful for where we are that I don't want to drift from what God has for us. Would you stand to your feet tonight?